Hello, writers! This is a podcast about NaNoWriMo, where we get you ready for November. I'm Christina Horner. I'm Liz Leo. And this is How to Win NaNo. As a reminder, Christina and I are not actually affiliated with NaNoWriMo in any way. We've just won a lot. Character names! Oh, yeah. This is one of my favorite things to do, and yet still one of the hardest things about yeah. writing. and we've so we've done an episode about character names before, mm-hmm. so if you want to go back and review that one, it was in season one. Yeah. Um, and we kind of talked more generally about just how we name characters. Mm-hmm. How, we all have different ways. Yeah, and how we can sometimes, like, use character names as a way to get you unstuck if you're having trouble with your story. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of cool info in that one. Um, this one specifically was a listener question from... Um, Bianca Burgess, um, and she wanted us to go more in depth about character names, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting. Yeah, we are, you know, we're in season three, yeah, so advanced. I feel like we, yeah, this is like the advanced level classes. Yeah, class three hundred one. So like you're what you're juniors now. Exactly, you're yeah. a freshman. Now you're you're a sophomore. Now you're junior. So and what are the junior level classes? All right, specific. so we are going to talk about naming in fantasy. Okay, so uh, this question is from Bianca Burgess. Um, she said specifically in fantasy when there are so many names of creatures and things to create. Any tips would be amazing. Mostly, she just would love to hear our process because she finds it so interesting. So yeah, I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of things to say about how we name. I mean, I write a lot of like contemporary stuff. Mm-hmm. So my names are usually mm-hmm. just like, I don't know, open a baby name book and like <laughs> yeah. throw a dart. But um, I feel like you have done a lot more fantasy naming in general. And so maybe you have more like specific processes for how you do that. Yeah. And the thing I haven't talked about a lot is that um, my old job at Wizards of the Coast um, as a creative producer on the franchise development team, we had to do a lot of naming. And so we would have full meetings about naming things Sometimes it was, like, product or show or book names, but oftentimes it was fantasy names for characters, for, you know, um, for creatures, for places. I would just come up with lists of place names. And so there's a couple ways that we went about this that I think can be very fun, particularly if you're trying to brainstorm with other people, which isn't a bad idea when you're coming up with character names, because sit down with your friend who also has to come up with fantasy names and figure it out. I think one thing to be wary of that I want to start with is that don't just choose a name that is, like, from another culture because it's exotic. Right. Yeah. Like, like, just because you haven't heard it before doesn't mean it's not a part of another person's life. Sure. That doesn't mean you can't take um, inspiration from roots from other, like, countries or places. Yeah, I was going to say this is specifically an important call out for fantasy. I think Uh if you're writing... A, yes. Like a book where there's actually people from that yes. culture, you should definitely do your research and, and like look for authentic names. And, you know, Absolutely. if you know anyone from that culture, maybe get like a sensitivity check. Mm-hmm. Um, but specifically for fantasy, I think yes. it's important to understand that just because, yeah, you're not familiar personally with the name doesn't mean mm-hmm. that it's fantastical. Yeah. So so one way you can sort of get around that if you do have, again, I'd, I'd caution you if you're like, well, yeah, this is fantasy plus Japan because I, I think that's a great thing to do. But make sure if, you know, if you don't have lived experiences there that you have either consultants or, or people to help you out along the way. Instead of taking actual names that exist and may have 
ties to a culture may be important to people, you can always look at like um, roots or classical roots of the language that you're looking at and then make something up and then cross-check through yes. Google and make sure it's not a real name, again, with ties that mean something. A good example of what not to do here, mm-hmm. and I maybe told the story in our first episode about character names, but when I was... Um, this was pre-Nano. Mm-hmm. I was in sixth grade. My friend and I were writing um, a story together that actually ends up going on to become my first Nano novel. Um, but we had just... Uh, no, I don't even think... We knew we were going to sign up for... Japanese as a as a class that we we're going to take in a couple of years, um, but we were very interested in anime and Japanese culture, and she had this like Japanese dictionary, and so when we were naming like random cities in this world that we were building for our story, we just like opened the dictionary and picked random words, and then later when we actually took Japanese and we looked at everything that we had picked, <laughs> there were literally just like oh this city is called clock. This cool. this That's city a, is yeah. called stapler. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe we should have... Uh... Uh, yeah, paid a little yeah. More attention. And, and so don't a, do that. That's a good point with fantasy is that I think one of the most fun things about fantasy is that you get to write something that no one knows and make it n- new and unique and true to you. Mm-hmm. And so doing something that is completely derivative, I don't know, like, I think there's more fun ways to come about things. But the reason why I brought up the, uh, like, language roots thing is because I do think, in general, having language roots for an area can make it seem more cohesive. Mm -hmm. For example, if you look at, like, Elvish or Dwarvish, like, those have very specific roots. Are the roots going to be, like, has lots of S's and Sills and Vils and Mm -hmm. and V's and whatnot? Or is it going to be, like, lots of hard sounds like K's and D's? Right. Um, So if you're working with a fantasy place that's going to have more linguistic ties than think about that in terms of your roots and looking at real life languages can be helpful there. Um, because in the past we've been like, oh, we're going to make a um, character name for this character that comes from this Greek setting. So like, let's look at not just Greek names, that'd be lazy. Let's look at a bunch <laughs> of Greek roots and, um, and get ideas from that. So one character name that I helped with was um, Nico Eris, who's Magic's first non-binary planeswalker. And I love that character design. Definitely look them up. Um, and so let's see here. So one of the t- first things we do when brainstorming character names is we start with things called buckets. And I think you're probably doing something similar to this already, is that we come up with maybe three or four buckets that are types of names that we want to see or brainstorm. So for example, you could be like, well, I want a name that means in some way light. Mm-hmm. or sun or dawn and then maybe i want a name that um that is short and three letters because i want to see like oh nicks things mm-hmm. like that that are that are like tight or okay i want this one to be a name that is a really long name because they're from royalty so it's like you know elizabeth sophia uh, blah 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 yeah and that's their name <laughs> so i i think there is a couple different buckets you can put in whether it has to do with naming it could be with sound i want names that start with s so i'm just gonna make a bucket and this is i'm talking like way more process than i normally do for my book sure but it is a way you can do it if you're really stuck and then um once you have those buckets one thing that um we have done when brainstorming with other people to get the final name. And I think this works almost better with something that is more meaningful, like maybe a book name mm-hmm. or a place name is this thing where you work on zooming in towards your final choice. 
by narrowing down your selection through thinking of table, plate, and fork. Sometimes we say like, what's in your kitchen? So you, <laughs> you come up with everything possible and then you narrow it potentially down. Yeah. all the names in the all world. All the names in the world. <laughs> and then you narrow it down to your top 20 and that's what's on your table. Then you narrow it down to your top 10 and it has to be just that limit and that's what's on your plate. And then maybe you narrow it down to your top three. That's what's on your fork. And then you choose one. That's what you eat. <laughs> to be fair, that is sort of the process that my husband and I used in naming our son. Yeah. Because we both went separately and we each mm-hmm. picked like every name we liked in the world. And then we wrote them on index cards. We came together and we showed each other our index cards. We narrowed those down to our top 20. We waited a month. We narrowed those down to our top 10. We waited a month. We had like three. And then we picked. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's like, it's interesting to know that that's an actual process and maybe people are already doing something like that and didn't know it had like a name. Exactly. So a lot of times when doing fantasy names, it may be like, yeah, I'm going to look at babynames.com, this or that. But one fa- thing I found really interesting is going to something like powerthesaurus.com, which is my favorite thesaurus, and looking at words that mean things like Maybe you're trying to name someone who is the firstborn, and that's really important. So you look up first or birth or something like that, and you can take a root for any of those words that you see. Oh, interesting. And then add it to something. Like, I mean, if you think about it, the book Stardust by Neil Gaiman, like Primus is the firstborn son, then there's Secondus, and then there's uh, Tertius... And there's, yeah. yeah. And so like all of the sons are named in that fashion because it's very important that you know throughout the book what order the sons are in because they're trying to like uh, compete or kill each other to get to be the one who's in line to take the throne. Oh, that's cool. So clearly if you know those, those roots, whether they're Latin or Greek, or if you're just looking, yeah, like what, what is a word that relates to this, look it up and this is the thesaurus and chances are you're going to come up with a name that's maybe more unique because it's not a person's name. It's a name that you've made because you understand words. And and honestly, that's how I think a lot of fantasy authors that we have grown up with do make character names. Okay, so this is a silly example because it's a book that I read as a kid, but it's always stuck with me. You can also use your naming, like like in the example that you gave, in like a fun way. So I read this book as a kid called Ten Kids No Pets. <laughs> I don't know if anybody um, remembers that book, but it was uh, about this family that had ten kids and they named them each kid after the, like their corresponding letter of the alphabet. So mm-hmm. the first kid was Abigail. The second kid was Bainbridge. Oh, and it was also the first kid had the first name in the A's. The second kid had the oh, second name in the okay. B's. So they have just these like, some of the kids have like relatively common names and some have very strange names. So there's Abigail, Bainbridge, Calandra, Dagwood, Eberhard, Faustine, and then that's where the website cuts out. Yeah. But I just, that stuck with me as yeah. like a really interesting hook for a book. Um, so you really can take your name. I mean, obviously that author, which was Anna Martin, who wrote Babysitter's mm-hmm. Club, um, didn't even have to do any work with her naming. She probably just literally used a baby name book, um, but made it a part of the plot, which I thought mm-hmm. was really fun. So when you are naming a character in a fantasy world, I'm going to look at this from two angles really quickly. One is that I think it's super interesting when books have character names that really relate to the character because it's like, oh yeah, that really soft, beautiful person has this soft, beautiful name. Or um, yeah, that like really fierce, badass girl's name is Vin and, you know, it, it fits. But like, Sometimes I do think about the fact that everyone's usually named as a baby. (laughs) Right. No, I was going to say, I put a lot of stock in, like, picking names that sound really good, Mm -hmm. but it's pretty common, uh, 
to like change your name halfway through life and you don't have yep. any say in that. And so it's interesting how like names, I feel like tend to like, the more you hear them, they start to sound like something that goes yep. together. So it's, it's interesting how much effort sometimes we put in as writers to come up with a name that sounds good. Like for instance, the, the story that I spent the most time naming was my historical fiction novel. Um, and my name, my main character's name is Flora Schultagen. And that's mm-hmm. the first time I've done like a hyphenated last name. And I also had to specifically look up names that were popular for families in like the specific region. Um, and it's like, if you have hyphenated names, that's definitely not something that you got to have any say in, yeah. you know, it's like, that's just your name. And that was your parents' last names, or, you know, maybe you got married or whatever. And it's, it's just very funny how much power you have as a writer to come up with like mm-hmm. really good sounding names when in actuality, that's not a decision you often get to make. <laughs> Except for in fantasy, occasionally you do, which is pretty cool, is that a lot of people in fantasy are warriors or fighters who get to choose their names or royalty who, like, for example, most actual royalty had to choose a different name when they got married because they'd be going to a different nation or mm-hmm. whatnot. Like, uh, there's famously the moment where Queen Elizabeth is like, well, what's your name going to be? And she's like, Elizabeth, that's my name. Yeah. (laughs) That wasn't very common. And so, like, in Magic, we have a story where there's a character who's a warrior, and she chooses the name Alesha when she becomes that warrior in order to, like, because that was her grandmother's name, and to cement this legacy. And it's a really cool story. Definitely look it up if you want to read it. I love it. Um, And I think that there's something you can actually do where characters can choose names for themselves. Maybe they've gone and... Um, through a big journey, through a portal, and they're in a different world now, and so they choose a name that's good for that world instead of a name that they never felt connected with. Mm -hmm. And so you can do a lot of really cool things with naming and fantasy that sometimes are a little bit harder to do in the real world. And additionally, you can do cool things in fantasy that relate to the real world in fun ways. Like if a character is transitioning, having them choose a name for themselves, you can have an allegory for that in your story, which is something that relates to the Alesha story. Fantasy can do a lot of awesome things with namings that are cool and wild that you've never seen before, but also you can use naming in fantasy to relate to us as humans in the real world, which is what's so exciting. So how do you feel since you have all of this background in like fantasy naming about the fact that anytime I need a more fantasy sounding name, I just Google fantasy name generator. (laughs) I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I do that often too, but usually I don't take a name from that. I usually usually be inspired. Yeah. Be inspired or adjust it by a couple letters or something because here's the thing. If you want, and this is something we did all the time at Wizards of the Coast, when you come up with a name and you're like, I'm going to sell this book and it's going to be a big deal and it's going to be on the New York Times. I, you know, obviously you don't know that. Right. But if you, you have dream. this main character's name, who's the same name as this other fantasy book character, yes. it's going to be a lot harder. So, you know, give your main character top three main characters names of Google. Yeah, that's a, I feel like that's a good thing to do in general, general. regardless of the genre that you're writing. You don't want to like write this novel that you love and then find out that your main character is the name of like a serial killer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or it's like, oh, I knew I loved that name somewhere because this fantasy novel I read when I was 12 also has that main character. You know, it is easy to change a name later, obviously. There are a lot of, there are a lot of character name generators out there. Yeah. 
so many. Um, and I feel like a lot of times I'll look at ones that give you like first and last name and I never take like the two that mm -hmm. came together. I always look for like a first name and then I look for a last name or, you know, depending on how your novel is, you might not even need both or maybe you need more. Um, so yeah, I use with caution, but it works for me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I definitely do that for inspiration, especially if it's one that is really deep and new and, and it, it puts um, roots together instead mm -hmm. of just coming up with a name that already exists. I've definitely found one or two that are very unique generators. So I find that names, I, I really enjoy naming characters. Mm -hmm. Like when I have a character name to name, I get really excited and it's like a fun part of the process for me, but I really struggle with place names mm -hmm. and like business names and like really other things hard. like that because in life those are hard things to name yeah um because you got to be like clever and everything so a lot of times what I do and I don't know again how you feel about this but if I need to name like a traveling carnival or a coffee shop or whatever a lot of times I'll just go to Twitter <laughs> and I'll say like hey guys I need to name a park <laughs> anyone got suggestions well. and I will just do that it's, I mean, that's easier if you have a larger following that's on true. Twitter. I'll say one of the things you can do for place names for sure is like, I keep going back to roots, just knowing roots, like understand what the roots of place names are like Ia or Tun or Alon or, you know, if that's sort of more fantasy like Avalon. Okay. Mm -hmm. Lawn is the ending of some fantasy looking place names. Um, Rivendell, okay, Dell, great. Um, and then say, okay, well, I want this place to be around trees, so it's gonna be like Elder Dell or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, or another thing you can do is if it's like a more um, it doesn't even have to be um either fantasy or regular. Just like look in a map, yeah, <laughs> and look around and see what places what type of places are called. I mean, in the actual real world, mm -hmm. a lot of places are still very descriptive names. You mm -hmm. know, it's like Ocean Shores. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's like very much explaining the place that you're in and what it looks like. Um, mm -hmm. And it's totally okay to use that similar naming convention. It's worked for people for thousands of years. So. Yeah. One thing I would also really caution people against is getting too complex with your naming mm -hmm. because just as Christina said, it's absolutely true. Sometimes places are just named because like that's a bog. So yeah. that's bog's end. Or yeah. like, you know, like that's uh this is the place where people stop and rest. So this is like a rest stop. Yeah. Like exactly. <laughs> there's there's a level of um simplicity that happens in the real world because if you think about it yeah, you gotta, mm -hmm. so that you can communicate things. And so sometimes in fantasy, it's really fun to get very flowery and everything is just like Eldorado. It, like everything is just like this long, beautiful name. But I mean, think about nicknames for places. Think about maybe this name, ha this place has like this really cool, beautiful name, but everyone calls it the pit because yeah. that's what it is. You know what I well, mean? And if you think back to like the origin of naming, mm -hmm. places had to be descriptive mm -hmm. names because people weren't literate. No. You know, like if you think back to like ye old pubs in like Europe or it's like mm -hmm. signs for, like you said, like, yeah. a, like a river or something, it was literally like, you know, a place would be called like the Cheshire Cheese because the sign and there'd be, would just be a picture, a of, picture of cheese. Yeah. And people would be like, oh, okay. I know what that is. Yeah. So you can totally think 
in those terms yeah. as well when you're especially if you're writing in a like earlier yeah. kind of time period yeah. where and maybe not everyone is literate in your in your book and store names especially would be either what's sold or oftentimes the purveyor's name yeah so. yeah it's like smith's blacksmithing yeah exa- or it's I, like general store <laughs> there's a reason why a lot of people's last names were what they did yes <laughs> because again through a lot of history we had to be very district descriptive because and prescriptive because people couldn't read mm-hmm. uh, old olden times people especially in europe weren't that smart <laughs> so, <laughs> no offense to any of our european uh, uh, listeners you've come a long way yeah well i said old-timey european yeah. <laughs> now european great yeah old-timey you know. You know, there's lots of plagues. Um, so many. Yeah. She says in the middle of a pandemic. Oops. <laughs> so one of the things that I like to do to make sure that I'm ready and don't kind of like waste time in November mm-hmm. is um, if I know that I'm going to have a lot of characters to name in my novel, that's one of the things that I'll do for prep. Um, so I've brought this story up a lot, but my historical fiction novel took place over three generations. Um, and so I looked up a bunch of names from like the 40s the 70s, mm-hmm. and then, like, modern day, and I just had these pools, I guess I had names on my table, Yeah. Um, from each of these time periods that were, like, more common in those areas, and, and also that were kind of, like, befitting to the region. So when I needed to, like, I don't know, you met a person in town, you, like, you know, a new character popped up, I could just go to those lists and be like, oh, okay, here's 20 names I already picked out, I can just choose one, and it saved me a lot of time in November. Um, so regardless of what kind of story you're writing, if you're writing fantasy or whatever, um, at least for those side characters, mm-hmm. that's a really good tip to just save you time in November. Yep, and I think I did that with some place names too, but... Yeah, there's, I just have a Scrivener, like, section that's mm-hmm. just names yeah. that I can pull from. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, if you've got any specific naming tips that mm-hmm. you use that we didn't talk about in this episode, we would love to hear from you. Um, let us know either how you name characters or if you have a favorite character name generator that yeah. you go back to. Please post them. Um, you can always send us a message on Twitter at HowToWinNano. Yeah, and if you have some more in-depth commentary or questions that maybe take up longer than how many characters at 250 now? 250 something like that. 6 I don't 240, I don't know. What? Yeah. I don't know. Well, you can email us um at howtowinnano at gmail.com. As always, you can also send us your life story. Yeah. Well, and Christina will read it. The whole thing. Um, <laughs> you heard loud. it here, folks. Liz does not care about your life story. I mean, she'll tell me the good ones. <laughs> Liz thinks some of you have bad life stories. What what am I going to say to that? (laughs) Um, Also, you can check out our Patreon, and that's patreon.com slash howtowinnano. Um, We have some cool perks, and you can... um, you know, be more involved with our process there. I know that we are not always the quickest to update it. We have, as we've mentioned, very busy, crazy lives, but um, our Patreon patrons have helped us get the equipment we need that allow us to have such good sound quality recording. You can hear babies in the background. (laughs) We also sometimes share some of our writing Mm -hmm. on Patreon. So if you want to read our writing before anyone else, that's the best way to do it. Um, and I think that's it. We've, uh, we've officially done our first advanced level episode. Yeah. Welcome, junior level classmen. Yeah. Thank you again to Bianca Burgess for sending in this great question. And until next time, keep keep writing. writing. But so one thing to pay attention 
Oh, we have a little baby cry. Oh. It's okay if you hear it in the background. Just know that someone's daddy was reading him a book and probably messed it up. I love that our new microphones, thank you, Patreon, yes. are so good that you could hear my baby crying from all the way downstairs. Yeah.